welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and my Lyra pup was red. Your what? Lyra pup. Lyra poop, actually. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Can you take a gander of what a Lyra poop is? I don't know that I want to. The tassel on your mortar board for graduation oh. is called a Lyra poop. <laughs> That's a very strange name for that. Right? What color was yours? Mine was green and yellow. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was the North Eugene Highlanders. Ah, I was the Linden Lions. Okay, yeah. I I thought that uh, our mascot of a Highlander was a very bizarre choice. A lion is much more... um, Specific. I mean, well, like... Iconic. Ferocious and Mm. like... Ooh, the lions, and otherwise, like, ooh, there's a guy in a kilt. That's true. Which, I mean, nothing but against guys in kilts. It's just an odd, <laughs> odd mascot. It's true. So. But, yeah. Anyhow. Welcome to Addicted to Murder. Um, Kind of weird episode today, but I'm going to start with a question. And it's a super easy question, because... I'm brain dead today, as per usual. Um, so, Courtney, what's your favorite color? Uh, my favorite color is, like, mossy green. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a nice color. Very natural. Yeah. How I like you? I, well, I like um, super bright blue, like the color of this cord and my laptop. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Like, like, a, like the really cerulean almost. Is that what that color is? I don't know. I, don't, I just like call it like bright blue. Like uh-huh. bam in your face blue. That's well, what there I like. There we go. Yeah. Um. Thanks to know. Yes. Well, we are taking a like I said a little different road today because we just wanted to take a little break from murder and mayhem and crazy mofos that don't give a shit about anything but their own needs um and then dive a little bit into you know the what i would say that most if not all um of the serial killers we've covered have in common and that is their antisocial personality disorder diagnosis um or at least what you f- that you feel it if they weren't um professionally given that diagnosis, what you feel after reading about them, they probably have. Right. Yeah. I think it is one pretty common thread. I'm like kind of trying to rack my brain right now. Um, Can you think of one that we've done that may not have met that criteria? I mean, Uh they're they're comorbid with other things, a lot of times narcissism, but like, Mm -hmm. um, right, right. Can you think of one that might have just, sorry, I'm like hot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like rolling up my sleeves. Can you think of one that might have just been like a narcissist or might have just been BPD? Like, do you think that Charles Cullen was antisocial? That was the one that came to mind where Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not totally sure um, if he really met that full criteria or not. That's Um, kind of the only one you can really think of. Yeah. Off the top of my head. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, why don't you take it away and I will interject with some, um, if I have questions or like need clarification, um, and let's do our best and I will as well to not use acronyms, um, unless we fully explain them before we start using them. Yes. So ASPD. Antisocial personality disorder. Yeah. You'll hear that throughout, um, today's episode, but we will 
give it a shot to, um, at least for the first time we use an acronym, say it to its fullest. Yes, we okay. will try. Okay. I don't think there's too many in here, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Okay. Take it away, Courtney. Cool. So let's sort of start at the beginning with the basic question of just what is a personality disorder? Um, you know, there's always been some controversy um, about pathologizing personalities um, or saying that, you know, a person's personality can be like wrong or broken or bad. Um, and it's the same argument that a lot of people make about giving any sort of mental health diagnosis um, if they have concerns about it. But the way I kind of think of diagnosing is that really it's just giving a name to describe a group of traits or behaviors that go together pretty often. Um, you know, there's no inherent like negative judgment that goes into a diagnosis. Um, to me, it really is just a name. Um, so we don't have to say that you know, 10 traits every single time we talk about someone. We can just be like, oh, yeah, they have depression, and that means these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, in using the DSM-5, um, so the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, <laughs> version 5, um, or the newly released within the last year, DSM-5 revised, um, you know, a personality is defined as, quote, an enduring pattern of inner experience and behavior that deviates markedly from the expectations of the individual's culture, is pervasive and inflexible, has an onset in adolescence or early adulthood, is stable over time, and leads to distress or impairment, end quote. Really quick, you said a personality is defined. You meant a personality disorder is defined. Yes. Okay. That is what I I I figured. I just wanted to to clear that up. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate that. So there are 10 different defined personality disorders currently listed in the most recent DSM, Um, and they're divided into three clusters kind of based on similar traits or presentations. So cluster A disorders are sort of described as eccentric or odd. Um, That's how people sort of appear to the Mm -hmm. public. Um, cluster B disorders are often described as dramatic, emotional, or erratic. And cluster C disorders are often described as anxious or fearful. So can you give an example of a cluster A? So uh, an example of a cluster A would be uh, maybe what we would call like a schizotypal personality disorder. Um, So that is, they may have some traits that make it kind of similar to schizophrenia, um, but it's not schizophrenia. So they might have odd beliefs and odd mannerisms. Um, they might have difficulty with like connecting with people, um, not having very good social skills. They just kind of are, are odd. And schizophrenia is not a personality disorder. No, it is not. What is it? It is considered a psychotic disorder. Okay. So not at all in a cluster Nope. Area. So it's just kind of confusing when you say cluster A mm-hmm. could have schizotypal, mm-hmm. and it's, but it's not schizophrenic. It's not schizophrenic. Okay. Yes. So, and then we, we, we talk about cluster Bs all the time. That's who we deal with mostly with um, our podcast. Now, what's a cluster C example? Um, so a cluster C example would be uh, maybe what we call like dependent personality disorder. So they are, you know, someone who is overly attached to somebody in their life and gets very, very anxious if they're 
not around them, can't make decisions without them. Um, just sort of very, very clingy. Okay. But so like I, times a thousand. Okay. Um, yes. Okay. So, and you're, and you're saying that antisocial personality falls into cluster B. Yes. Along with narcissistic personality disorder, as well as borderline personality disorder and histrionic, which uh, there is talk that that may at some point be removed. Correct. Yes. Okay. So based on what you just said, does that mean that, you know, sociopathy or psychopathy is somewhat actually culturally defined? Because you did reference um, that it's going against the expectations of an individual's culture. So like say someone that we may class as a, classify as a sociopath in America may in a, be in another culture, you know, not defined as that. You know, because in some cultures it's permitted to use corporal punishment um, or, you know, basically own your wife or children and do whatever you want to them. And that is OK. That is even expected. Um, things that might be illegal in the U.S., but maybe not somewhere else. Would that then mean that person in question may not meet the DSM criteria? Um, that's actually a, a good question. Um, and I'd say the short answer is no when it comes to psychopathy in particular. Um, so the cultural expectations when listed in the DSM kind of refer to things that are more like cultural or religious beliefs or customs that, um, you know, are different uh, across cultures. So that might include things like um, cultural or religious beliefs where talking to spirits is a normal thing. Um, or believing in demonic possession, um, that kind of thing, which, you know, in the U.S., you know, across the board, you know, might be considered like, oh, you're delusional because you believe that you have a demon inside you kind of a thing. But in another culture, might not be thought of that way. Um, or, you know, things like how in U.S. culture, right, avoiding eye contact can be seen as rude or shy um, but in many Asian cultures, it's completely normal and considered respectful to not make eye contact. So someone who's like, it's hard to find a culture where um, it is OK to hurt people to get your me needs met. Yes. So then it, it, that would be what would cross cultural boundaries. Right. On a typical in a typical fashion. I mean, you, you, there like are that. some like terrorists mm -hmm. or people that we consider terrorists that might disagree with you. <laughs> so it is like kind of a gray mm -hmm. area. But OK, we'll just right. we'll stick to the U.S. Right. For that. But I was just curious because that's kind of weird that they um, to me that they threw in that based over culture. Because mm -hmm. um, to me, the more we talk about this stuff, the more it's like the person who has the. um sociopathy and psychopathy tend to do things either to they get off on hurting others or they just simply don't care if they hurt others to get what they want. Right. And just to clarify, the cultural expectations piece is part of the broad all personalities disorders um, definition, not specific to antisocial. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and you see that sometimes in like other diagnosing diagnoses in the DSM um, that they'll refer to like cultural mm -hmm. norms and things like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what is antisocial personality disorder specifically? Now in the DSM, 
um, there are actually kind of two ways of assessing personality. There's this traditional formulation that lists specific symptoms or behaviors that have to be met. Um, and then at the very back of the DSM, there's a section for like proposed disorders or proposed changes. Um, and in the DSM-5 and 5R, there's a new proposed system um, for looking at personality disorders that is more multidimensional um, and looks closer at identity, specific personality traits, and kind of overall dysfunction, as opposed to just like, well, if you have A, B, and C, then mm -hmm. you have this. Um, and so I personally, I like that kind of new system better, but the old system is what is technically still being used. Um, so anyone who has a diagnosis, a gnosis of antisocial personality disorder um, would have to meet kind those of that traditional criteria, criteria first. Mm -hmm. So let's look at what those are. Okay. So to receive a diagnosis of ASPD, um, you, we would need to demonstrate, quote, a pervasive pattern of disregard for and violation of the rights of others occurring since age 15 years, as indicated by three or more of the following. So you have to have what you just said, plus three of these things, at least. Yes. Okay. So failure to conform to social norms with respect to lawful behaviors, as indicated by repeatedly performing acts that are grounds for arrest. So you have to break the law. Mm-hmm. Um, deceitfulness, as indicated by repeated lying, use of aliases, or conning others for personal profit or pleasure, impulsivity, or failure to plan ahead, irritability and aggressiveness, as indicated by repeated physical fights or assaults, reckless disregard for safety of yourself and others, consistent irresponsibility, as indicated by repeated failure to sustain consistent work behavior or honor financial obligations, or lack of remorse as indicated by being indifferent to or rationalizing having hurt, mistreated, or stolen from another person. So if you meet the first part, mm -hmm. so you've got a pattern of behavior that started by age 15 mm -hmm. with three of those things, mm -hmm. um, and then you also must be at least 18 years old, and there must be evidence of conduct disorder with onset before age 15. And the occurrence of antisocial behavior is not exclusively during the course of schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. Meaning those traits don't come out when they're having an episode of some other comorbid mental yeah. health problem. Meaning those things don't come out only, only. when they're having an episode of something like that. Okay. So that's like a, a kind of a long list to have to meet um, before someone can actually get that diagnosis. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, you know, personality disorders are not given out lightly. Um, so, you know, there is a lot of criteria. Um, and it's estimated that, you know, less than 3% of people will ever meet criteria for ASPD. And it's, it's a lot of times, it, to us, it seems like there's more than that because we're focusing on criminals. And right. that's who tends, I mean, that's one of the caveats typically mm -hmm. for having antisocial personality disorder is that you commit crimes. 
Right. So in our world, it seems like, oh, they're all, everyone has ASPD, (laughs) but really we're just looking at a very small population. Right. Right. Exactly. Because not everyone in the world is a criminal. Right. Just the ones that we talk about. Yeah. Most of us aren't (laughs) criminals. (laughs) Exactly. But yes, it is highly represented in like the um, criminal justice system for sure. So, um, a thought that maybe some of you listeners might be having is, okay, so what does this actually mean, (laughs) right? What should I look out for? Um, And so this is where the alternative way of looking at personality disorders comes in, that kind of like new approach I was mentioning. Um, Because from this new perspective, we first look at a person with regards to how they function, Um, in terms of their sense of self um, through kind of how they self-identify and their self-direction and through their interpersonal functioning um, in terms of like empathy and being able to have like intimate um, relationships with others. So when it comes to the self, um, according to this new formulation, that's what we're going to be kind of talking about for the next little bit. Um, people with ASPD tend to be egocentric. So essentially, everything is always about them. Um, And they gain self-esteem from their own personal gain and power. And because of that, they set goals based on personal gratification. So what's in it for me? Um, And they're not motivated by what's called pro-social, which is sort of looking at like the greater good or traditional ethical values that kind of the rest of the population might have. So essentially, uh, someone with ASPD is thinking, I'm going to do what's best for me and what I want, and I feel good about myself when I get what I want. So what I'm hearing is they get off putting others down. Is that typically a big motivator, or is it just part of the fallout when you're dealing with someone with antisocial personality disorder? It's not so much about enjoying putting others down as they literally don't care about other people. Um, So other people feeling bad is more of like a side effect of a person with ASPD trying to get what they want. Like they're just as likely to be charming and nice if it will work out better for them. Yeah, so they are indifferent. Essentially. Most of the time they're indifferent as opposed to being malicious in their thinking. I mean, until right. you get until you get into, into the, the serial killer yeah, sadist yeah. kind of kind okay. of thing. Yes. Um, so then, when it comes to the interpersonal side, people with ASPD tend to lack concern about other people's feelings, needs, or suffering, and have no remorse for hurting or mistreating another person. So, because of this, they aren't able to have mutually intimate relationships. You know, their way of relating to other people is very transactional or exploitative and often involves using dominance or intimidation to try and control the other person. So essentially, my needs are all that matter and what am I getting out of this relationship? So basically, if you're in a relationship with an antisocial um, partner, it'll most likely be very one-sided. Like what type of person would let themselves fall into that relationship? Um, and also what would happen, do you think, if two antisocials got together? I mean, maybe that never would happen. I don't know. So it would definitely be a very one-sided relationship um, if it was someone with ASPD and a normie, as mm-hmm. we'll call them. Um, you know, good con artists with 
which, you know, many people with ASPD are, are very good at finding people's weaknesses um, and triggers and recognizing who might be more naive or eager to please or easily manipulated. Um, so if you have kind of fall into that category. Um, You're probably a little bit um, mental or emotionally damaged before you meet them. Oftentimes, yeah, or you're kind of like a people pleaser. Or but that usually stems mm-hmm. from trauma. A lot of times, pleasing. yes. Yep, a lot of times it yeah. does. Um, so then, you know, hypothetically, if two people with antisocial personality disorder met, they would likely recognize each other for what they are because they are good at reading people. Um, and it would probably end up being either a very productive partnership where they kind of work together to achieve their wants and desires, or it would be very volatile and probably violent. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, once we look at, okay, how well is this person, you know, doing in terms of their sense of self and how well are they able to connect with others, um, we look at um, the second facet of this new model which is all about specific personality traits um, as they relate to what's called the the big five dyads. Um, so a dyad is like a pair of opposites, essentially. Um, what do you mean? What is a pair of opposites? Can you give an example? I'm not following that. Yeah, so for example, hot and cold okay. is a pair of opposites. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the original, quote, big five personality traits were identified and labeled by a group of psychologists studying personality development in the between the 1960s and 80s. Um, and in this model of personality, people exist kind of on a spectrum between the two opposites, but tend to lean at least slightly towards one or the other. Um, and so in the DSM-5, um, in this specific model, it slightly changes the names and descriptions of kind of the main dyads, but the general ideas are the same. So I'm going to go over each one of these. Um, so the ones we're looking at are what's called negative affectivity versus emotional stability, which is all about how much control do you have over your emotions. We look at detachment versus extroversion, which is all about interpersonal skills. How well do you relate to others? Antagonism versus agreeableness, basically how nice are you? Um, Disinhibition versus conscientiousness, how thoughtful are you? And psychoticism versus lucidity, which is how well are you based in reality? Um, So in total, each of these five larger areas include five smaller specific scored traits. Um, so five for each of the five dyads is 25 in all. And then each personality disorder has a different combination of those 25 traits that are associated with it. Um, any thoughts or questions that come up trying to explain that? Um, in my mind right now, I'm picturing a, a mental health professional interviewing someone who might have antisocial or a personality disorder and they're asking them questions, and then the um, mental health person is scoring them on each of these things, like one through five. So, um, like, say, 
the um, negativity uh, or negative effectivity versus emotional stability. Um, if they had no control over their emotions, they would get a five. If they had a lot of control, they get a one. Or is it the other way around? Or am I totally off on um, a on little bit scale? Because this is—I'm not really yeah. sure. This might mm-hmm. be a little bit over my head without mm-hmm. like seeing a visual representation of it. So I'm trying to mm-hmm. follow as best as I can. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So um, you are partially. Right on and partially a little off. Okay. Um, so sounds, essentially. Sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. So let's say, um, just to use sort of a simple example, if you are um, looking at somebody's niceness, mm-hmm. right? So their um, agreeableness. Uh-huh. Um, and these are not the specific traits for agreeableness. These are just things I'm making up right uh-huh. now. Um, there are maybe five questions about agreeableness that you would answer so like how often do you hold the door open for someone Mm -hmm. um or put your shopping cart away right that's a big one apparently right exactly (laughs) um how do you like judge how much to tip Mm -hmm. at the end of a meal um that kind of thing so there would be five of those okay which would each be rated on um in this particular case it's like Mild, moderate, severe okay. functioning. Uh-huh. Um, and then you would get like an overall like, oh, you're more towards the agreeableness versus you're okay. more towards antagonistic. So it's kind of like online quizzes that we've all probably partaken in. Essentially, yeah. Like I think a lot of people are really familiar with like, what's your Myers-Briggs type? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an INFP. Mm-hmm. Um I can't remember what I am, but we did it at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, There's a J in mine. <laughs> uh-huh. That's judging oh. <laughs> is what it stands for, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, it's the same idea. Like each of those. J. Yeah. Each of those is like opposites, right? Introvert versus extrovert. Okay. Um, intuitive versus, I Emotive. think. Emotive? No. Oh. Um, I forget what the other one is. It's basically more like scientific and oh. logic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So same idea. So it's, okay. I, I, it's getting a little clearer to me. Um, there's just, it's basically a whole bunch of questions with two, like you said, um, dyads. And then based on what the overall score is, mm-hmm. will put you on a spectrum yes. of ASPD. Or are we talking about psychopathy and sociopathy right now? We are talking about um, it'll put you on a spectrum within the dyad. Okay. Right? Okay. And so um, each, like I said, uh, personality disorder Mm -hmm. has its own set of traits within those Mm -hmm. dyads that need to be present altogether to meet that criteria. So this um, newer model that you're talking about right now is – able to use all these same questions to diagnose more than one personality disorder yes okay so I thought that we were just looking Mm -hmm. at specifically for ASPD but you're saying based on the answers that is given you could actually um, get different besides ASPD you could get diagnosed with bipolar borderline or narcissistic through this quiz or test whatever right yeah it's more of like a structured interview but yes Okay, mm-hmm. 
So it's used to, to do all sorts of things. Yes. Okay. All personality disorders can be in this model. Technically or hypothetically through this model. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Sorry if I'm confusing everyone out there. I'm sort of learning as I go. <laughs> that's okay. This is not sort of like a way that most people even know about, you know, people are thinking about personality okay. disorders. So, um, but getting back to ASPD. Okay. So there are seven very specific traits associated with ASPD. And I believe you have to have um, difficulty functioning in at least six of them. Oh, so almost like all of them. Almost all okay. of them. Yes. So um, the seven traits are, the first one is manipulativeness. Um, so the use of subterfuge or trickery to influence others or using seduction, charm, or glibness, which is kind of that ability to just talk and talk and talk, um, to achieve one's end goal. So the perfect example of this, kind of from our serial killers list, is Ted Bundy, um, pretending to have a broken arm so he could lure girls to his car by, you know, helping him mm-hmm. with his books. Right. Yeah. Um, so the second one is what's called callousness which is that lack of empathy, lack of remorse, um, and having aggression or, like, sadistic behaviors. So taking pleasure out of harm coming to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so examples of callousness would be pretty much uh, Harvey Kerrigan and Clifford Olson, kind of just the straight-up maliciousness mm-hmm. and, like, violence associated with I, with yeah, their crimes. Probably most all of ours could meet that i mean yes they all do yeah um but those kind of stand out Mm -hmm. for being probably very highly scoring on that specific uh, one very monstrosities or monstrous like in the way that they killed their victims yes very yeah exactly okay um so then the next one is deceitfulness so dishonesty and fraud um, misrepresentation of self embellishment or fabrication when relating events so obviously anyone who uses a ruse um to try and get someone away or lure someone away um is falling into this um but also one that kind of stood out was um arthur shawcross and how much he liked to embellish Mm -hmm. um kind of the nature of his crimes and when he was describing them yeah especially when he was over like at in the military right yep and yeah like the one comes to mind of like tying a woman's limbs to different trees Mm -hmm. and what happened to her body right yeah that's the the visual in my head unfortunately (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's okay um so then we've got hostility so persistent angry feelings anger in response to just minor slights and mean, nasty, or vengeful behaviors. Um, so to me, an example of this is Tommy Lynn Sells, who we were just talking about, mm-hmm. um, you know, killing people for minor insults. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, you... Touched my leg. You touched my leg. Yeah, so I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So, yeah, just that anger is there all the time, essentially. Mm-hmm. Number five, we've got risk-taking. So engaging in dangerous, risky, or potentially self-damaging activities unnecessarily and without regard for consequences. Um, These people are prone to boredom and uh, do impulsive things to relieve boredom 
and they lack concern for kind of their own limitations or the real danger of the situations they're putting themselves in. Um, so an example of this is pretty much everything that Richard Ramirez did. He mm-hmm. did all the drugs. He was breaking and entering into houses. He engaged with a lot of sex workers. I think he drove fast a lot of the times, too. He did. Yeah. Yep. So just things that, like, other people would be like, eh, that's maybe not a good idea mm-hmm. because there's some risk involved. Mm-hmm. Um Number six on this list is impulsivity, which goes right along with that. So acting on the spur of the moment in response to immediate stimuli, acting without a plan or thinking of the outcomes, and difficulty making or following plans. Um, So an example I thought of for this um, was sort of Randy Woodfield and his just impulsively needing to flash strangers in the park, women in alleyways or... Not thinking through very no. well with that. <laughs> Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then number seven is irresponsibility. So a disregard for and failure to honor financial and other obligations uh, or a lack of respect for agreements and promises. Um, so an example of this from the ones uh, we've seen is like Dr. Hazard, um, her husband abandoning his first wife to marry her mm-hmm. and I know he wasn't necessarily deemed um to be a serial killer with the psychopathic tendencies but I mean if if you think mm-hmm. about if we just think about Tommy Lincells that's true. him impregnating Nora marrying and then, Nora and then piecing out piecing out multiple times and then like with a woman that mm-hmm. could not take care of herself he just didn't mm-hmm. care right exactly yeah. so um this model, once someone has met at least six of those mm-hmm. seven criteria um, and have the specific type of, like, egocentric identity and difficulty with empathy, um, they include an option of adding with psychopathic features. So um, they differenti- differentiate excuse me, between most people with ASPD and those who would be considered psychopaths. So to be labeled a psychopath in this case using this model, a person would need to have all of the above traits, but also have low scores on anxiety and fear, Mm -hmm. high levels of attention-seeking, and um, be described as having a bold interpersonal style that may mask maladaptive behaviors think Ted Bundy being involved in politics Mm -hmm. and Dennis Rader being active in his church. And when we do John Wayne Gacy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. So in this situation, we look at to be really a psychopath, you have to have no anxiety Mm -hmm. or fear. Right. um, Because that's mostly what stops people from doing really terrible things. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to get caught and that's Mm bad. Um. And you have to want to be seen and heard of for the most part. And then you have to have the skills essentially to like cover up what you're doing. So like. You want your cake and eat it too. Right. Exactly. So, you know, people become serial killers. Well, they don't become serial killers. They are 
able to become serial killers because they're able to get away with their crimes. They're mm-hmm. able to hide it. They're able to, you know, think ahead enough to not get caught, essentially. Right. Where that not getting caught is not a requirement for antisocial personality disorder. Obviously, most or a lot of criminals are in their jail because they're not good at not getting caught. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Okay. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm learning more. It just it it's people who self-diagnose um, themselves with personality disorders, which we've seen a trend um, at, at work and you know with all the stuff on social media. Um, it's it's be hard to self-diagnose. I mean, you could have an idea and then go to someone who could give you a diagnosis Mm -hmm. and possibly you are right. Um, But it would be hard because look at all these hoops you have to jump for to get that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. If you want one. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that think that diagnosis, diagnoses are bullshit. Um, And you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not one of them because I think that like you said, it's just describing a pattern of behavior. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in, in a way it's like fact, like this is your pattern of behavior and this is what, the mental health world is going to label that to help us better understand right, how to exactly. work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyhow, it's not something you can just give yourself typically. No, like it is, I think just there's a lot more complexity mm-hmm. um, to personality disorder than I think a lot of people think. Yeah. Um, and really to a vast majority of mental health diagnoses at all, there's more yeah, I mean, if you go in and you have one session with a mental health provider and they automatically give you a di- diagnosis, I'd be a little bit, you know, suspect about mm-hmm. that. Because, for one, it, how do they know you're not just lying and full of shit and you're presenting mm-hmm. symptoms that, or not presenting symptoms mm-hmm. that are there? Um, so, I think it takes a while. I mean, I know with me personally, I think it was three years before I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. you know? Because she had to see this pattern of behavior that I had presented over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Right, right. So I will say, um, just sort of a caveat with that, is that um, we are required to give a provisional diagnosis after mm-hmm. a first visit, mainly just for like insurance billing kind of purposes. Um, but that would be something like, oh, maybe you have <clears throat> um, like... A depressive disorder. Right. You wouldn't start up. But diagnosing a personality disorder Mm -hmm. in one session would be be very unlikely and probably not very ethical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. So um, any other thoughts or questions about being diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder before um, we look at... Um, I don't like how to notice them and how do you survive in a world full of full of psychopaths? No, I don't think so. But I I can see how most antisocials most likely wouldn't be diagnosed until they are arrested and forced to take or to do mental health evaluations because I don't see the antisocial most likely seeking help because they don't think there's anything wrong. Totally. Yeah. They do not generally seek help. Yeah. So, you know, um, I've asked my therapist if, if she, I mean, and of course she can't necessarily go into detail, but I'm like, have you ever worked with an antisocial? And she couldn't really think of one and she couldn't even actually really think of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they're very there's very few self-aware narcissists out there right so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I'd say the closest I'd come is probably um parents bringing their kids in who maybe I have like conduct disorder right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah sure that's a yeah that would be a good (coughs) way to catch one hopefully early enough to help um Mm -hmm change their behaviors right but sometimes i'm and like usually, i don't think that there's anything you can do yeah and usually best. that's not the the kid wanting to come in right. it's the parent yeah. making them sure so. yeah okay okay so now <clears throat> what do we do with all this information so in his book um without conscience by dr robert hare he offers some advice on what to look out for how to protect yourself and what to do if you have a psychopath in your life. Um, so he states that there are a few ways that psychopaths tend to kind of give themselves away during conversation. Um, that can be ways to kind of pick them out if you... A red flag. Red flags, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so some of the things he noticed were they often make bizarre and contradictory statements... Um, an example that he gave from the book uh, is, quote, no, I didn't carry them around. I had them in my briefcase, though. Mm-hmm. Right. So even just two sentences directly contradicting each other. Right. Um, they may know and use all of the right words in a situation, but the words lack any emotional depth. Um, so, for example, they may describe something that would be very emotional to most of us but in a very flat or neutral way. When uh, I think of Diane Downs in her interviews. Right, yeah, describing, mm-hmm. like, what she did to her kids. Or at the beginning, mm-hmm. what, you know, the supposed gunman did to, to them. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, not having any emotion right. behind it. Um, they often struggle to keep their stories or lies straight. Um, and when talking, they may have continuity problems in their story. For example, they might first say that it was raining, and then a few moments later, the same story, um, it was sunny. And they just don't kind of track some of those little details mm-hmm. very well. Um, and so they often tend to also go off track or change the subject in the middle of a conversation based on some connection that's only in their heads. Like a tangent. Yes. I'm guilty of doing that. We all are <laughs> to a certain degree, yeah. but, um, you know, a, a psychopath would do it more. Sure. Um, and additionally, uh, psychopaths tend to use more hand gestures known as beats. Um, so these are the type of hand movements that we all use, say, like when we are trying to remember a specific word or a detail about something. Um, and these are usually like unconscious and unintentional. Mm -hmm. You know, we even do them like when we're on the phone, when no one's there to see it um, because it's just part of kind of our natural response to to communicating, right? Um, And so psychopaths do these a lot because they are basically creating the stories as they go. So they're always kind of searching for the next thing to say. Okay. Yeah. Why do you think that they like make up so many so much or lie is it conscious on their part yes and no i'd say i think you know oftentimes psychopaths are like you said like like we looked at trying to get something out of you mm-hmm. trying to manipulate manipulate you in some way um 
and they don't really have like a lot of true feelings about a lot of things. So oftentimes they have to like make something up to to make their story make sense. Yeah, at least or in to, their mind. Right. Or to try and make the story be what they believe the other person is wanting or looking for. Okay. Yeah. Um, not to mention, you know, some of them just think it's fun to see what they can get away with. Sure. Um, so being aware of what to look for, like knowing those communication things, um, is the first step in protecting yourself from falling prey to a psychopath. Um, and so now hopefully our listeners, we have some, uh, basic understanding of kind of how their minds work and how they communicate. Um, But don't blame yourself if you miss signs. You know, even experts get fooled fairly often. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, here's next piece of advice um, on protecting yourself from psychopaths is don't be influenced by props. Um, And so props he describes as kind of these like dramatic or sort of over-the-top things that happen, like overwhelming eye contact, um, those big smiles, flashes of like money and wealth or kind of that like rapid fire pitch or the smooth talking. Um, It almost sounds like love bombing. Kind of, yeah. We'll get into that more a little bit later. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, totally. Like, <laughs> yes, it can come across as that. Um, the the very, like, showmanship mm-hmm. type stuff um, would be props. Um, and so then also he says to, quote, don't have blinders on. Um, so psychopaths, right, like most of us, like to make a good first impression and will be on their best behaviors in the beginning, right? So they may make grand gestures or declarations of love, love bombing, right? They'll tell far-fetched stories about their financial success or their status, um, or maybe they're being overly kind and concerned for a person that, like, just met you. Um, And so essentially, uh, not having blinders on is all about if it seems too good to be true, Maybe it is. Um, Or if people around you are seeing things and have concerns, listen to them. Um, You know, don't as much as possible just sort of like focus only on what this one person is telling you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then also, you know, stay aware when you're in high-risk situations um, like singles bars, cruise ships, foreign airports, um, really anywhere where you may be alone or isolated. Um, And kind of the last thing is know yourself. You know, know what your weaknesses are because that is what the psychopath will target. You know, are you a sucker for compliments? Uh, Can you never pass up a great deal? Kind of know what these things are that you tend to fall for. So let's talk a, a bit about, like, what would one of your weaknesses ugh, weaknesses be in that area? Um, you know, I think for me, anything to do with, like, animals. Oh, yeah. Like, if someone's, mm-hmm. like, has a really cute dog or, like, it's like, oh, no, this baby bird fell out of the nest. 
Like I'd have to be like yeah. real tempted to go and try and save the baby bird or pet your dog. Yeah. Or if they had cute pictures like on their phone that they were showing me. That's a good one. Um, I am a sucker for dogs. I'm not really for babies. That one wouldn't get me. Um, but I am also extremely naive and very, very gullible. So um, if someone told me a story and they're a good storyteller and it made sense to me, I would totally, totally believe everything they said. Mm-hmm. Um, Courtney and I just watched this thing on, on a cult and it made me realize that I might be susceptible <laughs> to that because, um, yeah, I tend to be too trustful. I, I don't know. Like if they're good at, I mean, sometimes I can just tell when someone's full of crap, but right. if they are mm-hmm. manipulative enough and a good enough storyteller, um, they can gaslight the shit out of me too. And I won't, you know, because I don't trust my own memory enough sometimes um that yeah that would I would uh I could be conned right probably have been conned possibly yeah Yeah. so yeah it might be extra important for you to kind of have your your guard up yeah Mm -hmm. put on my my RBF (laughs) right right don't mess with me I mean luckily right you're not out looking for a new partner strange no. Or, <laughs> yeah, or, you know, the new no. get-rich-quick scheme or right. things like that. I mean, I'm so. a social person, but um, I try to be safe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good question. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the, the reality is, right, psychopaths or people with antisocial personality disorder, they exist in every setting, Right rich or they're poor, white collar or working class, highly educated and like school dropouts. You know, every group out there, you know, has some ASPD mm-hmm. people that are part of it. Right. Um, so chances are that we as people will encounter and interact with a psychopath at least some point in our life. Um, and so... Dr. Hare has some advice as well for what to do if you think you have one of these people in your life or you've come across them. Okay. Um, he has a lot of good advice, so we'll go through kind of each one. So his first advice is get professional help. Um, essentially, like if you're concerned about a loved one possibly showing signs of psychopathic traits, um, set up a consultation or an assessment with a trained mental health provider. For yourself. No. Well, also for yourself. But this is more like for them. Well, if you can get them to go. If you can get them to go. Okay. Yeah. Like if you think. Good luck. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is kind of like maybe more if you're like a parent. Yeah. Or a sibling mm-hmm. or something. Um, okay. Because you don't want to just, like, self-diagnose. Right. Right. Good to get a a real professional diagnosis for them. Okay. Um, Don't blame yourself if you fall for their tricks, right? Or if you're a parent or sibling of somebody with ASPD, don't blame yourself for having made them that way. Um, There's only so much you can control, and their behaviors are not your fault. Yeah, it's bottom line with all these people. Um they may have 
a personality disorder or mental health disorder, but they mm-hmm. still, unless they're very far, you know, I don't want to say gone, but mm-hmm. whatever, um, they still have control over their behaviors and their actions. Right, exactly. Um, so, like, if your adult son has ASPD and has manipulated you into giving him money on more than one occasion that he's then, like, wasted, like, don't blame yourself for... For falling for that. For falling for that. Help. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and so similarly to that, right, is be aware of who the victim really is. So psychopaths only care about themselves and generally will try to make themselves out to be the victim. Like they will try and blame you for their misery, um, but don't believe it. Like they like to switch it around of like, Especially if they get, like, a consequence. Like, oh, no, I'm in jail and it sucks in here because you reported me to the police, mm-hmm. not because I committed a crime. Sure. Um, recognize that you're not alone. It is very common for psychopaths to have multiple victims. Um, so it's not just you. Mm-hmm. Be careful of power struggles. Um Because of their need to win and be in control, it's best to avoid power struggles with a psychopath whenever possible. So kind of like choose your battles. Like it doesn't mean never stand up for yourself, but choose your battles. Um, And if you can, learn to use their own logic against them. So find a way to basically let them win that's not too like damaging to yourself. Because they'll keep going. Until they, they until they win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, set firm ground rules. If you have someone with ASPD who is going to be a part of your life, like a sibling or a child, something like that, or, if you, or a parent. Well, or, or if you fall in love with someone right. with ASPD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean. or a partner yeah. or a friend, mm-hmm. right? Um, be sure that you have very firm boundaries and rules for engaging with them. Um, like, for example, like, in order to be in my home, you must be doing X, Y, and Z. Like, mm-hmm. you must treat me with respect. You must be sober. You must mm-hmm. not try to swindle money out of my friends. Okay. Example. And then follow through with consequences. So if they break those rules, like, they're out Mm -hmm. or contact is shut off. Okay. Um, Because part of this, right, don't expect dramatic change from them. Research shows that psychopathic traits are fairly fixed um, and won't change much over time. So a person, you know, they might make short-term behavior changes, right, to meet a particular end. Um, like if you say you need to do these things or I'm divorcing you, they might be like, no, 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 I'll do better. And then they'll do better for a while. Um, or, you know, sometimes they, you know, are quoted as like mellowing with age. So Mm -hmm. maybe their behaviors become less extreme over time. Um, but really who they are doesn't change, even if their behaviors do a little bit. Okay. Um, cut your losses also, you know, when possible. Once you recognize the loss and suffering you've experienced at the hands of a psychopath, you know, there's no obligation to try and adjust or get used to the situation or make the best out of it. You know, like if you can 
get out, get out as fast and as far as you can. And finally, use support groups. You know, you're not alone and it can be comforting and helpful to connect with others who have similar experience to yours. Um, the majority of those with antisocial personality disorder aren't violent, right? I mean, or do we not know that statistic? Um, I mean, it's so, <laughs> because it's so hard to even diagnose that population mm-hmm. unless they're in most likely for a crime. Well, you know, or aggressiveness them in or whatever. Aggressiveness in- that includes like assaults and fights mm-hmm. and stuff is one of the criteria. Okay. For ASPD, um, doesn't mean that they're all murderers, right? Right, or even that they're all going to be like domestic abusers. Mm-hmm. They might just be like idiots who get into a lot of bar fights. But generally, they all have the ability to be violent. Okay, um, and then so if someone does have ASPD, they are diagnosed. They're aware. Um, Basically, if they want to, um, I don't know, I guess, function better in society, they would possibly go to a therapy or something like that to learn how to um, change their behaviors based on triggers? Or is there is there like a set way to help them function better in society if that was something they wanted to do? Yeah, so if you had the, the rare person with ASPD who wanted to get help... Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very much like a sort of behavioral or cognitive behavioral approach, mm-hmm. um, all about behaviors, because the way that they think and feel mm-hmm. um, is pretty set. But yeah, they can't control their thought processes. Right. Like none of us mm-hmm. can control our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right. But you can help teach like, okay, so when you get irrationally angry, mm-hmm. like this is how you calm down instead of hurting someone. Right. Or um, you can help build sort of a intellectual understanding of other people's thoughts and feelings Mm -hmm. or the impact that your behavior has on other people like they might not like totally be able to empathize Mm -hmm. but they can be able to like relate like okay when I say this it makes my partner feel this Um, and I don't want to make them feel that way so I mm -hmm. just won't do it even though I don't understand (laughs) why they feel that way Exactly. My life is more peaceful. Right. If and smooth if I just avoid that behavior. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um well that was like an hour. Was it really? Yeah, like wow. We were budgeting like a half hour. Um so that's like our longest <laughs> episode that we've done. Who knew? Um and it wasn't know, even long on paper. No. Mm-hmm. But I needed help understanding that scale. That's okay. Uh, and I'm sorry if you guys didn't need help, but I did. And also, my stomach was rumbly, and I don't know if that got picked up on the mic or not. So if that's you hear that, mm-hmm. um, or our squeaky chairs, just saying. I'm aware of the sound, but mm-hmm. we were on a roll, and I didn't want to stop. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did not hear your tummy rumbling from well, you're not over wearing, here. You're not wearing the headphones. This These mics pick up everything. That's true. It's, like, crazy, but um, we'll see. Anyways, um, thank you, Courtney, for that in-depth analysis. Yeah, you're um, welcome. I see a whole lot of parallels to NPD. I just feel like that's the one that's most um, closely tied. Right. And it is possible to have more than one personality disorder. Right. I mean, I, I guess like the main difference in my mind between NPD and um, 
antisocial might be that the NPD might actually be able to empathize in some situations. Right. They experience and feel emotion. Yeah. Uh Um, They might not care if they hurt others, but they feel more than the antisocial does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And they are able to have more intimate relationships. Yeah. They definitely – I think all the cluster bees would, um, if they were in a relationship, like, and they wanted it to be functional, would have to have boundaries. Talks about boundaries on both sides of the relationship, not just the one with the uh, disorder. Because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the person on the other side also has to be able to tell them. um, I'm not formulating this right. But anyhow, I think that it can work. I think it would be really hard. Um, to have a partner with antisocial personality disorder, but maybe, and maybe that's naivety in me, but um, I think it could work if you had the right combination and the right ground rules. And, you know, as we see a lot of these people do well in uh, the ones that we've studied do mm-hmm. well in a structured environment. Sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, there are a lot of very successful people with antisocial mm-hmm. personality disorder, like investment hedge fund managers and lawyers and yeah politicians like they might meet all this criteria Mm -hmm. um the only thing being that like maybe they haven't it's hard to say they haven't committed crimes but maybe they haven't or at least they have not been caught or they haven't committed a violent crime right exactly they're more likely to to commit something like fraud or something like that because they Mm -hmm. yeah think bernie madoff they right. like the the cultural expectation of them to um, feel something mm-hmm. isn't there, right? So yeah, it's so hard to have their behavior dictated by something that is almost mm-hmm. Ill, like an imaginary thing to them, right? And for them, they wouldn't think anything of stepping on someone else to get to the top. That being all said, if we have any listeners that have antisocial personality um, disorder, you know, diagnosed, um, and you have something you want to say, um, you know, either for or against what we've just discussed, let us know, because neither Courtney or I have it. Right. So, yeah, we can sit here all day and study it and, like, maybe even talk to people that have it, but, like, we've not experienced it. Right. So all of this really is a very, like, intellectual Mm -hmm. understanding as opposed to... Right. Really knowing what it feels like. Yes. So, like, I can't empathize with an antisocial because I can't put myself in their position because I can't not feel. Right. Exactly. That, sense. that so. does make perfect sense. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, so next week we are back to our regularly scheduled um, program of going over awful people um, who do awful things. And this next one, we actually we're on the fence of even doing it because it's so controversial, but unless something changes, we're going to give it a shot and you'll see why next episode. Um, but until then, Courtney, let me think. I didn't write this up ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we meet someone who uses a lot of hand gestures, constantly changes their story and doesn't make sense when they tell that story, what do we do? Go nuts. Go home and maybe go to therapy. Yeah, depending on how involved you got with them. Yes. (laughs) But mostly, just go home. Yeah. (laughs) Just leave. (laughs) All right, everyone. Um, Be safe and we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.